You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brentus Wealth. And Brentus Wealth was voted South Africa's top boutique wealth manager in 2020. And with me today is Brentus Wealth's Gustav Reinach, who is in the Pretoria office. Now, Gustav, when we spoke to each other off air earlier on, we talked about what subject we would cover today. And I immediately said diversification, because when I looked at my screen, I saw Nespers and Process up uh, 8 9%. And I saw all the commodity stocks, well, not all, but the majority of commodity stocks down. And that said to me, well, mm. thank goodness for the diversified portfolio. And I think it's a good theme, actually. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Lindsay, and welcome to the listeners. Um, I agree with you 100%. Um, I mean, I, I talk to uh, clients every day and try to do or, or do financial planning for them. Everything always boils down to diversification for me. Um, if I hear the stories of clients trying to, uh, especially uh, young investors, they always try and invest on their own firstly and get their fingers burnt a few times before they actually go with a stable type of route and try and diversify even more because a lot of uh, young investors, especially I see, are trying to pick stocks and nominate certain indices and and and, and try and go full out into that. And uh, they, they just end up getting hurt because they don't know what's the clear strategy and the plan. And they don't know that, Michael, uh, that, that, that um, investments and uh, economies go through cycles as, as everything does. Okay, let's get back to Diversification 101 if we can, because when you're 25, 35, 45 or 55, there's various different types of diversification that would suit you. But if somebody, for example, at the age of 40, 45 years old came to you, you'd say, right, we've got to diversify. And there's various ways of diversifying. And the first way is through asset classes, i.e. risky assets like uh, equities. And then there's safer asset classes like bonds, uh, money market cash, etc. So how do you approach the diversification theory, if you like? Yeah, Lindsay, it's, it's a very interesting subject and, and, and something I'm very passionate about. And I think it's absolutely a must in the investment world. I mean, even if you look at the age of 45 or even uh, retirement, um, I, don't, I don't want to pinpoint some events in history, but I had a, a, a close um, contact of mine. It, it wasn't a client way back then. It was still when I was in school. But um, he was on the verge of retirement, and, and he put all of his assets into Steinhoff all his years into the equities because he mm. was in the – I mean, one of the MDs of one of the holding companies of, of, of uh, under Steinhoff. And um, I, I mean, he went up to retirement and the crash happened end of that year. And the next year beginning, he went back to work because all of his life savings was gone. And I mean, no one would have told you uh, two, three years before that, listen, um, you need to diversify and everything because he had all his blood, sweat and tears into this company all his life. He believes in it like he believes in his Bible. Um, so, I mean, diversification is always a must. I don't, I don't, I don't think you should be 100% 
or marginally big allocation into any asset class for that matter because timing is just too difficult in a market to 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 get it 100% right and if we've done simulations on simulations on simulations ending up showing that if I were to try and pick the tops and the bottoms of cycles of different asset classes, uh, if it's equities or bonds or cash or listed property, even offshore or locally, all of those, to try and pinpoint the tops and bottoms, you'll get it more wrong than right. And at the end, you'll end up in a worse off position than you were diversifying over these asset classes. Um to get back to your uh, specific question of how to diversify, obviously equities is the long-term top performer over all periods if you take 20 years, 25 years. And gradually when you get closer to retirement, you need to reduce your equity exposure and and, and, and uh, go into more bonds and cash type of exposure that isn't so volatile in the market because there's not much room left for uh, recovery if something happens close to retirement. Let's start with equities because there's different types of equities. There's different uh, sub-sectors of equities, both in South Africa and abroad. But let's look at the broader view. You've got to have a local equity exposure, obviously, because you're a South African citizen, but also you've got the ability to expose yourself to overseas. So that's the first thing you diversify within the equity class don't you absolutely and um that that's always one of the first things i tell my clients i i firstly ask them where are you situated where do you generate all your income from and if, if you're a self-african citizen and you a citizen and you think of it um closely uh, you'd realize well i need to uh, count my house my property that i uh, have in my name or at least paid off until now as as a sum of money that I need to um, include into my asset allocation because that's fixed property in South Africa alone. And then secondly, 100% of your income is generated in a certain currency, which is South African rands uh, in this case. And I need to start diversifying this. If I look at South Africa on a GDP perspective, gross domestic product, it's less than 1% um, of the world economy. And that's scary because you don't want to be this little fish swimming at the bottom of South Africa when this, there's this whole ocean of the economy going around. So it's, it's just like saying, well, I have 60% equities in South Africa. It's telling like, uh, uh, ask a Brazilian uh, person for that matter, will you put 60% of all your net worth in South Africa, the JSE? And he'll tell you, well, I'm, you're crazy. Mm. And so will every single other person and the other way around. I won't put 60% of my money as a South African into Brazil as a country because I just think that's too much risk. And we as South Africans, I think, need to start looking at it that way. We need to allocate geographically, um, especially in, in, in different equities. Okay, let's move on to the next asset class. I mean, when you sit down, you, you've, you've obviously got a little bit of a, a scribble note, as I always do. And I say, right, number one, it's equities. Yeah. And within equities, it's local and overseas. What's your number two, Gustav? So I 
always tend to use local bonds. I think it, uh, especially South African bonds, it has very attractive yields and a, a very good margin of safety currently. Still, we are comfortable with South African bonds. And it, in real terms, it gives us the best kind of yields for a conservative asset class uh, worldwide currently. So I would say it's a very, very good combination. And we've seen it work perfectly to include South African bonds as a combination with offshore equity into a portfolio because it's very lowly, it's actually negatively correlated. That means it doesn't do good and bad at the same times. So it helps the one asset class helps the other one out uh, when it underperforms and it gives you a bit of a smoother ride over over the longer term. We yeah, so yeah that that that's obviously one one that I would definitely include and then a bit of cash also to uh, basically grasp potential currency uh, shootouts or outliers that you can go into the market with a portion of cash that you that you have on the side. Okay, so we've got uh, we've got bonds as number two, and it may be inflation-linked bonds, it may be government bonds, it may yes. be corporate bonds. We don't know, but that's uh, according to the risk of the client or the potential client mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Uh, so you you also like money market and cash, but what sort of percentage do you assign to money market and cash? Well, I, I regularly don't want to assign too much money in there because inflation really eats you up in that asset class. So I would go, it depends on the risk uh, of the client and the type of risk that he wants to take. But I would say a safe uh, asset allocation for SA cash would be around 8 to 10% in a portfolio. And that would be mainly for immediate liquidity options if there's an emergency, firstly, or secondly, if like I say, if there's a big correction in the market, you can actually use that 10% to allocate into cheaper priced equities um, and basically recover from the downside quicker. Okay. Uh, next one is property. And I know property falls within the equity asset class as well. Uh, but on the other mm-hmm. hand, there's also a fixed property aspect to this. You've got a house and so you've, and, and you live in it. But on the other hand, it's still an asset I don't know where to start with this one, actually. Property is probably more your game than mine. So tell me about property as part of a portfolio, please. So uh, you're referring to fixed property firstly, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because we've spoken about equities and there's there's REITs, in other words, uh, real estate Mm. investment trusts. Uh, But yeah, tell me about fixed property. How much should that be of your portfolio? Well, I would say first and foremostly, you need to um, you need to debate where you currently are living. Uh, property has not done good whatsoever in South Africa for a few years uh, now, and people aren't getting the prices and the growth that that they have seen um, in the past years, from let's say 1995 up until 2005. And uh, there, there's there's a good reason for that. If we remember that the, the ANC uh, became into, um, they, they started ruling South Africa and for that, what happened was there's a big, big economical group that needed to move into, uh, uh, better type of areas and needed to start to buy houses as they get into the, as they got into the economy and started earning good salaries. So 
that shot up the demand for fixed property in South Africa, and that's why the growth was all there. Uh, where the past few years, um, we haven't seen that much demand, and, and, and it shows in the figures. So I would say, firstly, you need to closely assess where are you allocated, where you live. Western Cape is a very good area, I think. Uh, certain areas of Gauteng is very, very good. Um, I think if you live in a security state, you, you would get a relatable price. But what we see more and more is this little towns where the infrastructure and the municipalities aren't doing their job and keeping up to uh, normal uh, type of services that they need to provide. And we just see the deterioration of these time, uh, the, these towns. There's not sustainable water flow anymore. The, the, the pipes um, are damaged. So this all affects businesses. Their businesses move from that areas back to big towns where it's still functional. And, and then that small town's economy is going backwards and in real effect also the property in those towns. So firstly, see if your area is still maintainable, if the municipalities is doing their job. And then I think fixed property would be a good bet, but there is better asset classes out there than that. Um, obviously, right next to that, you get your listed property where you invest into portfolios. And with the whole COVID dilemma, um, that's a whole new debate also, yeah. is will they be continue to do as good as they've done in the past? Because we've seen a lot of businesses not renewing their leasing contracts because more and more people, 60 to 80% of them are working from home. So why do they need all this office space if they can save a lot of overheads uh, uh, with their working staff working from home. So I do not think that's a good thing worldwide for property uh, all over. What about someone who likes to listen to podcasts like this one and uh, other podcasts that I conduct? What about people that want to that, that watch rather television programs where there's these very vociferous commentators saying you should be doing this, you should be doing that? How much would you assign to someone who wants to have a little bit of a flutter as they say in England, or a punt, maybe you know, three, four percent saying, right, I want to go into the derivatives market because I think gold's going up, or I want to go into the derivatives market because I think the bond market futures are doing this and that. You know what I mean? There must be, if someone wants to have a little bit of fun, you can't really deny them that joy, can you? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I, as I've said, all the clients that I see still want a sense of control over some of their money, at least. So I've, I've, I've tend to seen a lot more people having a 10% allocation for themselves that they can play with. And I, and I always advise them, please be cautious. And yes. this is like going to the casino because you are uneducated and you just go with word of mouth and you're a lot more sensitive to the noise out there in the public. So, so every article you read or, or news flash that you see, you don't directly know or indirectly know if the company is good or not but you think it's investable without even seeing the financial statement so i mean that's that's your gamble in speculation money and you need to be um, open to losing that money but uh, the majority of your portfolio i'd always say have a good sense of diversification and have someone uh, that does the research and and have, uh, that follows systems that worked through all the years and has proven to be a success for people uh, building up to retirement to manage the majority of your portfolio good stuff great advice thanks so much for your time that's good stuff Reinach, who is from Brentus wealth in pretoria and that was it's my money 
It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.